Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, no matter where you may find yourself today as you listen to this. This is the, I guess, pilot episode, the inaugural episode of uh, It's a Black and White Thing. I am one half of the dynamic duo, um, Carlos Johnson. You can call me Los, you can call me A1, it doesn't really matter. I answer to all three. Um, and I'm riding solo tonight. Um, my Twitter handle is at A1VLP. Uh, that's A1T help, all letters. Uh, Facebook, you can reach me, Facebook slash A1TheLP. Once again, all letters. Uh, I am the African American or black side of this uh, dynamic duo. I normally will, will be joined by my guy, Aaron Ward. He goes by A Ward. Um, his Twitter handle is at AWARD865. I do not know what AWARD's a Facebook uh, handle is. So if you hit him up at Twitter, if he feels like talking to you on the Facebook, on the Book of Faces, uh, he'll hit you up there. So, um, But welcome to the show, man. Um, I've got a lot of stuff to get into. I am insanely nervous because I'm not sure who's going to want to listen to me ramble on for the the next 30 minutes at least. So I'll try to make it short and sweet. Uh, this show will go a little bit longer once I have uh, my guy A-Ward with me uh, riding shotgun. So, uh, But uh, just a quick introduction to who am I. Like Once again, my name is Carlos Johnson. Uh, young man, young black man <laughs> uh, from Louisiana originally. Now I reside in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, what's up to the 816 um been loving sports all my life i once wanted to have a job in sports um i'm very opinionated about sports as those who know me very well will uh say that is correct amen to that uh um you can catch me on facebook ranting you can catch me on twitter ranting you can catch me in person ranting raving with my boys so i have people who would say to me dude why don't you blog why don't you work for espn da, 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 da. and so i figured with the with the way of the internet that we are in this internet age and the way of blogging and podcasting i figured why not give it a shot um hopefully with this show um this will be uh, a show that'll that you'll come to respect in the sports community uh and and it'll become a respected voice that you come to know love and trust so uh, that's kind of the goal with this thing man we're gonna have some fun uh we you know, if we get lucky enough, hopefully we'll get some some athletes on here. We can have ask some questions. I'm definitely gonna have some of the homies on. You'll get to know them as the show goes along. Um, great dudes, hilarious perspectives on sports. Uh, some insane perspectives. We won't say no names yet. I'm gonna I'm chill for that on that for now. Um, a couple of quick inspirations for the show before we get started, man. I got to start off with Clock Radio Speakers. You can check them out, soundcloud.com slash clockradiospeakers. Um, Armand and Doc, these dudes uh, do a hip-hop show. Um, definitely a uh, an inspiration for me for getting into to doing this. Um, I've talked to Armand a little bit, um, you know, through some back-channel conversations about the show. I've even... I think it's somewhere like episode 38, 39, somewhere in there, somewhere between 38 and 43, I guess, hosted uh, with our mom when Doc was uh, on vacation. Um, so check them out if you love hip-hop, you have an affinity for hip-hop. Um, they do a great show. They keep you up to date. Their knowledge of 
the the art is crazy. Uh, Dan Patrick show. If I ever get to interview an athlete, uh, he's definitely one of the guys I look up to in terms of interviewing. Um, he does a great job. He asks the tough questions, the serious questions, and then he asks. He has a little some fun from time to time. And then finally, uh, the last. Uh, inspirations for this show these two guys came to the table late for me but Bomani Jones and Dan Lebertard uh Bomani uh Bomani Jones was somebody I got introduced to during the Donald Sterling saga which is ongoing right now um he had some pieces on Donald Sterling and housing discrimination that I knew about, but he went a little bit more in depth. And so I started listening to the Evening Jones, uh, which is kind of my inspiration for going ahead and doing the show without a war tonight because he does the Evening Jones, which is an hour long simulcast, give or take, where he takes questions and rants about different topics throughout his life. And then Dan Lebertard is a guy who who these two guys together, they look at sports from a, a unique perspective that a lot of people miss from time to time. And so I definitely respect their opinions and their voices on all things sports related. So, um, you know, those are big names. I'm not going to, you know, Google them. You can go find their work. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So, um, without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, first topic that I want to hit on tonight. And the reason why I'm doing this show solo um, is because I didn't want to wait. I've, me and A. Ward have been trying to do this podcast uh, for about maybe two, two and a half months now. Um, if through various, you know, fits and starts and stops, we can never get it going. Let, we've been trying to get this going. I've been wanting to rant about Russell Westbrook for so long, um, but I'm going to save that for when basketball season starts. Um, but uh, so that so we're starting off with Tony Dungy. Um, if you are a fan of sports uh, and you haven't been hiding underneath the rock the last couple of days, you've heard about Tony Dungy commenting on Michael Sam. If you don't know who Michael Sam is, Michael Sam is the first openly gay football player uh, to come out and, and let the world know about uh, his his sexuality. Uh, of being a homosexual and being in sports um, for a little context context I should say uh, Jason Collins uh, was a, the first active basketball player to come out um, and say that he was gay that happened last year Michael Sam the first openly gay football player trying to make his way in the NFL was drafted by the St. Louis Rams in the uh, past 2014 NFL draft in the seventh round and so, in a story on, uh, oh gosh, I'm forgetting the guy's name. Like I'm, I'm already, I'm already forgetting his name. Derek Brooks. Derek Brooks is going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, reporter for the Tampa Bay Tribune was doing a story, and he was talking to Tony about Derek. He coached him during his years there, and he, as kind of a offshoot, he just asked him about Michael Sam. He was doing a talk about the culture of the Buccaneers. He asked him the question, and then Tony replies, and I quote, I wouldn't have taken him, not because I don't believe Michael Sam should have the chance to play, but I wouldn't want to deal with all of it. It's not going to be totally smooth. Things will happen, end quote. Um, and that little short set of sentences launched a million hot takes all over the social media um, and columnists, uh, you know, getting their their takes of what he had to say and i have lots of opinions on this as you would as you would think um the first one like i said i, I wanted to get into journalism 
Um, and I often tell people when I talk about that is that if I had gotten into journalism, if that were my chosen profession, what I did for on a daily basis, I, at this stage of what, of what journalism has become, I would hate the profession myself or both, um, because it's become a knee jerk, uh, profession. It's a 24 hour news cycle. You must have a take, uh, to quote Jim Rome. It must not suck. Uh, the take must be hot. And it must be extreme in a lot of cases. And so you have people just going off about this guy, uh, about Tony. And um, I, I think that uh, it one thing I want you guys to get from this show is I want you to think and think critically. Don't be one of those people who jump to either one extreme or another. Even though the show is called It's a Black and White Thing, there is room for some gray areas sometimes. There is room to find a, a central balance. And so my opening piece is for people who, who on one extreme want to say, okay, uh, Tony Dungy is a homophobe, um, you know, he's hating on Michael Sam, so on and so forth. Think about this for a second. In the years that Tony Dungy has been a head coach, not an assistant coach, because, you know, he was started out with the Steelers. He spent some time, I believe, with the Vikings, with the Chiefs. Uh, he bounced around before getting his first gig in Tampa Bay. A lot of what people, a lot of people's problem with what Tony Dungy had to say, in my opinion, leads back to his religion, to him being a devout Christian, being an outspoken Christian man. And so... Think over the time that Tony Dungy has been in the league as a head coach or was in the league as a head coach as he's retired now. Do you really think that his teams consisted of only Christian players? Or did it have someone who may have led a lifestyle, um, as Tony would go on to say later on today uh, in, a, in an interview with Dan Patrick? Do you think that he's had players over his time with the Colts and with the Buccaneers that led a lifestyle, quote unquote, that he would not have approved of? Do you think if they led a lifestyle that Tony did not approve of, do you think that he treated those players differently because of the lifestyle they led? Do you think in the time that Tony Dungy was a head coach in the NFL that he passed on the player because he did not have the same beliefs? as Tony, as himself. That does not make sense. If the job is to win football games, talent trumps all. You go back and look at those Dallas Cowboys. Those were some wild days during the Jimmy Johnson days with Michael, Michael Irvin, with Nate, uh, Nate Newton, and some of those other characters they had on their team. Those were some wild boys. But because they won... You can overlook those wild ways. Talent trumps all. It doesn't matter. You look at Lawrence Taylor. You look at Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan was just some bum, there's no way he gets away with half of the stuff. 90% of the stuff that he did in practices to a person, to a front office personnel, so on and so forth. Talent trumps all. Now, for Tony, character mattered. He, is, he has been on the record of saying that if a person, if a player had character issues, he would pass on them. Not if they were gay, I would pass on them. Which brings me to my second point. 
This is my own personal belief. I have nothing to back that up, to back this up. But just off the law of numbers, based on the amount of players that are on a football team in any given time, any given season, don't you think that at some point Tony Dungy has had a player on his team who's gay? He has had a player on his team who was gay. And he's had a suspicion about it. Because if you know the story of Michael Sam, when Michael Sam came out to his teammates at the start of last season, they all kind of shrugged like, dude, we know. We've known for a long time. This isn't news to us. The reason why he came out in part was because scouts were going to be coming to Columbia to find out about Michael and about his character. And he was afraid that it was going to be revealed to them. And so to get ahead of it, he decided to come out first to beat them to the punch before rumors and innuendo got out there about "Mm, this guy may be or may not be gay. Um, so think about that. Think about that. I, I don't want to see people on one extreme of Tony's a homophobe. And then I've, which I've seen on, on, on comments, uh, to these articles. And I don't want people to swing all the way to the other end of the pendulum here. And, and, and it kills me when I see people talk about, the gays. It seems to be these people on this other end of the extreme here. When they talk about LGBT people, they reference the gays, and that and it's like, what is that? What is I don't? Is that a band? What What is that? What does that mean? Um, so there is a middle ground here, and the second piece of that that I want to talk about is that people bring up Michael Vick. So when we talk about Tony Dungy saying he wouldn't have wanted to take Michael Sam because of, he didn't want to deal with all of it, whatever all of it is, people go, well, he mentored Michael Vick. And if he mentored Michael Vick, there's no way he can talk about, uh, Michael Sam being a distraction. And you are 100% correct. You are right. 100%. If you say that, Tony stepped into it by making that comment because Michael, I, I don't know if I've ever seen the hoopla in sports over Michael Vick. You had players from Philadelphia. I believe Chase Utley of the Phillies went off about the fact that Michael Vick was playing for, for the Eagles. He didn't want him. Dude, this is even, this isn't even your sport. You hold no sway in the Eagles locker room, the Eagles front office, and yet he was sounding off about, I don't want Michael Vick in this town, on this team. So that was a that was a huge distraction, and yet uh, Tony was mentoring Michael, was giving him advice on which teams to go to, where to go, where not to go. And he even said today on the Dan Patrick show that if, if Philly would have come back and said, we don't want, we like Michael, but we don't want to take him because he's a distraction. He says that he would have been fine with that. Well, if you're going to be fine with it with Michael, you can't have it both ways. You have to be fine with it with Michael Sam. Um, and then the last part of that is the last player that people reference or the last two are Tebow and, uh, Johnny Manziel, uh, Tebow, again, the extremists, when they talk about Michael Sam being the distraction, they bring up Tebow and, and it's true. 
and it's true to a certain to a certain degree of Tebow was considered to be a player of marginal talent. Um, he went in the first round way higher than he should have gone, in my opinion. Um, not that he didn't deserve an opportunity. He just was he was it was a reach where he was selected. And he had a bunch of hoopla. And the reason why Tim Tebow is not in the league today is because, one, the main reason teams don't think he, he can play, but two, they don't want to deal with the circus. The circus that was in Denver, that followed him to the Jets, and then ultimately out the league. Now, I will say this. The, the difference between uh, Tebow Manziel, who, you know, his off-the-field antics are being exploited. The difference between Vic, Tebow, Manziel versus Michael Sam is that all of those guys, especially in the case of Vic and especially in the case of Manziel, were considered to have talent. The thing that Tebow had going for him was that he had a great college career. Michael Sam has only had one great season and so I get so sick of people saying he was the SEC player of the year he was the SEC player of the year let me tell you something there are players again you look at Tebow who have decorated years a decorated season who don't pan out in the NFL all the time Jackson Jeffcoat was the AP first team All-America at the same position that Michael Sam was he was undrafted there was no outrage about Jackson Jeffcoat not being drafted. Sometimes once these guys have an opinion, especially in the NFL, which is a uniform league, these guys, these guys are not risk takers, which is why when something uh, to, to bring it back to the field, when something like the wildcat or the spread offense comes to the NFL, it's, Oh my God. Look at this new trend, the Wildcat. Who knew the running back can take a snap and he can choose to run or pass? Oh, wow, we can run. We can have a no-huddle offense for the majority of a game, and we can have four and five wide receivers, and we can send them all over the place, and we can do all of these different things. That's why when new trends hit the NFL from, from an on-the-field standpoint, it's, it's an oh-my-God moment because these guys think so uniformly. And so most of these coaches, most of these executives, they think like Dungy. Are some of them homophobic? Maybe. Are some of them scared because of all the media scrutiny that may come? Maybe. But it is a uniform league. They think one way, and once word gets out about you, once once there is a perception of you, it is nearly impossible to change it. And it takes someone with the stones to buck that uniformity. And so you may be going to yourself, okay, so, Carlos, what is your take on Michael Sam, what are your what is your opinion on Michael Sam? Would you have drafted him? Would you uh, would you have selected him? Yes, I would have taken him if I believed he could help my team. Because at the end of the day, and I will I will be up front, and I may lose a lot of people here, but I am a Christian. I am of the same uh, viewpoints as Tony Dungy about homosexuality. However. When it comes to sports, I don't care what you do off the field. As long as you're not murdering people, 
Um, or I, I do care if you, is that I do care that you're not abusing your body because I, I hate to see people fall apart. I hate to see people's lives fall apart. These are some of the, these are the greatest athletes uh, of, of our time. And I hate to see them throw away that talent. So as long as you're not abusing your body, abusing someone else, I don't care what you do off the field. So if my, if I'm a 49ers fan, if Michael Sam could have helped the 49ers win football games, whether it be in a ro- defensive line rotation, special teams, long snapping, punting, kicking field goals, whatever capacity that might be, I'm down for it. I'm with it. He can play for my team. I don't care about what he does off the field. Um, and so that's where I stand with Michael Sam. Um, you know, and don't think, and for you extremists out there who are on the, the LGBT side, who goes, oh, my God, he says he's a Christian. If you want to know what my stand, don't just take what I just said and make an assumption. If you want to know more about what I believe, hit me up offline. This is, the, I'm not going, this is not a political show by any means. I don't want it to be a political show by any means, but a lot of the problem that people of the umbrage that people took with Tony Dungy had to do with his faith. Why do I say that? Because it was referenced a lot in a lot of different articles about his Christian beliefs playing a role in saying what he had to say. Um, and I, and I think that is unfair. I think you have to separate that again. Look at the facts. Tony Dungy coached people who, who had lifestyles that the Bible would not be cool with. He had star players, I'm pretty sure, whose lifestyle uh, would not, he would not jive, that does not jive with the Bible. I mean, for goodness sakes, Marvin Harrison was in, was a, a prime suspect in a murder, a murder, and he played for Tony Dungy. Don't tell me for a second that if Marvin Harrison was being, was coming into the league or played for the Colts, and and was a marginal talent that Tony Dungy would not have separated himself from him because that is the way of the NFL. They don't like distractions of any kind, which is why Tebow is a problem, which is why Menzel is a problem, which is why T.O. left the league prematurely when that guy could have helped teams for years to come. Um, if you look at basketball, AI, this is why AI is not around because th- there comes a point where the distraction becomes too high for the talent level for people to want to deal with. So again, if you want to hit me up, A1 the LP at, at twitter.com if you wanna you wanna submit your your comments, your questions, your feedback. Um, any of my political views are not up for debate on the show. We can definitely talk offline about that. Uh, next topic LeBron. LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. Um, obviously, again, LeBron goes back to the Cavs. He's been living underneath the rock and don't know what's going on. He goes back to the Cavs, who have cemented themselves, in my eyes, as the craziest fan base known to man. I thought that title belonged to Knicks and Lakers fans. Uh, but uh, these guys are nuts. Um, if, I mean, people were crying on the radio. Uh, Scott Rabb, who wrote The Whore of Akron after LeBron left and went to Miami, um, he said that on, when when the first decision happened with LeBron, he wept with his son. They had to hug it out. And he says he will probably write a, a, another book about LeBron returning home. 
uh, people were were pulling out their their charred jerseys and putting them back on. I saw a LeBron Cleveland jersey on the back. It had James Sucks. The guy crossed it out and he had written Rocks on it. So you guys, Cleveland fans, salute. Um, you are the craziest fans in the world. Uh, and, and your lead, the lead you have on the rest of the world is, is pretty safe right now. Um, but some of the talk around the, the Cavaliers right now is should they trade the number one pick, Andrew Wiggins, for Kevin Love? Um, and if you if you know, if you've heard me kind of rant about this on Facebook, there's absolutely no way, no way uh, that I would trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. And here's why. And I can hear my man Jesse. Jesse Abbey, I hear my man Jesse Abbey. We uh, we've been <laughs> we've gone back and forth about this uh, on Facebook, on the phone. He, I can hear him screaming in my in my in my ear now. You, LeBron is trying to win championships now, and I understand that, and that is a fact. But here's, I'm hoping LeBron has learned, especially from his two matchups with the Spurs in this in the finals against the Heat. Because here's what the Spurs did. Yes, they drafted Duncan, they drafted Ginobili, they drafted Parker, they drafted Kawhi, they signed Boris Diaw. But here's what they did. They got Patty Mills, young young point guard. They got Corey Joseph, young point guard. They got Danny Green, young player, Kawhi Leonard, young player. They got these guys and brought them in the system and were patient. Yes, they want to win a championship every year, but if they, they, I'm pretty sure if you were to talk to the Spurs, making a deep playoff run for them is successful. Yes, it sucks that they fell short, but they took the time to take young talent and develop it. Now, LeBron is not going to take a pay cut. He wisely signed a two-year deal that allows him to opt out after next year. I don't think he'll opt out next year. I think he'll wait until a new TV deal is signed with the NBA and ESPN and TNT and or whoever and cash in because the salary cap will go up, which means salary player salaries will go up. And I think he'll, so I think he'll stay for those two years, resign, make a buttload of money. But here's the thing in Miami, their bench was always a problem. Their bench was always a problem. They never had quality depth. They got lucky that during key stretches, players like Mike Miller, Shane Battier, Udonis Haslam, Birdman stepped up and made plays at timely moments. But it finally, that magic ran out against a Spurs team that played basketball nirvana for, four, for three out of the four games. Um, that was a higher level of basketball that was played. That I, I don't know that even Jordan's Bulls in his heyday could have matched because what they were doing was just that unbelievable. And for me to say that as a Bulls fan, as a Jordan fan, that is high praise. And I know people are going to shout me down by saying that, but what they did with the ball movement, with the scoring, with the defense, was it was something I've never seen achieve on in, in, a, in a finals at that level for that sustained amount of time. Because basically, for five games outside of the fourth quarter of game two, they played out of their mind. It's rare for a team to shoot 50% 
in an NBA game. They're normally going to hover any in the low to mid 40s, but for them to shoot 50 percent, three, four, three, four times in one series is amazing. So I hope LeBron watched the Spurs develop talent, and in Wiggins with Bennett with Tristan Thompson, with Deion Waiters, he has a wealth of potential there. The Cavaliers front office needs to recognize that they have a wealth of potential there that if they are patient, if they wait, if they wait and allow Andrew Wiggins to become the Pippen to LeBron's Jordan, and I hate those <laughs> LeBron to Michael comparisons, but that's that's the the best analogy I can come up with at the moment. Allow him to become that complimentary player. He can reel off three straight like Jordan. He can reel off three straight like Kobe. He can reel off three straight like like the Celtics in their heyday. He can do that. He can he can rip off those back to back to back titles and he can truly dominate this league for years to come because as he fades he still have Kyrie. I didn't even mention Kyrie. he have Kyrie. And let's just say hypothetically, and I know, again, I can hear my man, Jesse, ifs, ifs, and buts. I know. I hear you, Jesse. If Andrew Wiggins, let's just say in the next three years, he becomes, we'll, we'll go Kawhi Leonard. He was a finals MVP, for goodness sakes. If he becomes Kawhi Leonard, in which the ceiling for him is higher, much higher, than Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi is great, but he's not a superstar. But if he is that level of player in three years, the Cavaliers are winning multiple championships. They're winning back-to-back because you got Kyrie who's already playing at a pretty good level. You have the best player in the game, and now you have a guy who's playing lockdown defense, can hit threes, can get to the basket, which Wiggins showed a little bit of potential of that in summer league. That's dangerous. That's not fair. I'm telling you now, you got those those young legs to go with LeBron. That's not fair. So if I'm the Cavs, I do not trade for Kevin Love because, again, you're going to have a max out player in Kyrie, a max out player in LeBron, and a max out player in Love. And now it's hard enough. Part of the reason he left Cleveland is because they couldn't attract quality talent. You're not, again, you're not getting quality talent to come to Cleveland. You're going to have to draft it. You're going to have to sign, uh, you know, players that are overlooked and develop them like the Spurs. This is the reason why the Spurs have won championships like they do. So if I'm the cast for an office, that's what I'm telling LeBron. He's not leaving again. He's not leaving. He's not leaving Cleveland again. He is there for the rest of his career. I guarantee it. He is not leaving again. So develop that young talent and dominate the league for years to come. And that's what I would do. All right. So uh, today I, I got on Facebook and I, I asked people, you know, submit some questions um, for me to, 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 to rant and talk about. So I got got some great suggestions. I won't get through all of them today. I'll save some of them for when uh, once again, once a ward is 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 back in the place to be. Um, so I, but I will go through a couple of a couple of uh, questions before I, I bring it back home to to Kansas City today, 816. Um, first question, uh, it's actually a, a tandem question. Um, my dude, Mike Jones, out of Austin, and uh, my guy, Norris Osby, here in the town, asked a question about WNBA salaries. Why Why are their salaries so low? Um, the, that's the first part. That's from uh, 
from Mike Jones. Uh, he, he referenced Maya Moore only making 45000 a year to play basketball, which to me is, is insane. Um, that is crazy to me. Um, you know, I'm not going to give out how much I make. All I'm going to say is I'm, I'm, I'm close. I'm in, I'm in Maya's neighborhood and that boggles my mind for someone who is a skilled athlete. One of the best, uh, athletes to play the game of basketball right now on the women's side from telling me making that much. I would assume that if I looked into it and did some research, she's probably, Maya's probably making close to a hundred thousand a year. And which is still crazy. But the reason why WNBA salaries are so low is because uh, this ties into the next question. Why don't women watch the NBA? And Norris, women do watch the NBA, but that's the problem. Women are watching the NBA. Uh, In order for salaries to rise, in order for the popularity of the sport to rise outside of, of selling these, you know, the prettier women as, you know, uh, a hottie to look at, and I know I could have used a better word, but uh, <laughs> or a baddie to look at. To I know some guys get a chuckle out of that. Um, rather having them look at them as as a an object of desire, they have to get that male demographic, that eighteen to thirty four, that thirty four to forty nine, and that casual fan of all races of not races of all genders to buy in until they can get the male audience to watch and 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 watch not in ridicule because that's what most men are doing most men are watching when they turn to the WNBA they're saying this is a this is you know quality low low quality basketball is trash why am I watching this you know and my dude Mike put on Facebook today Maya Moore dropped 48 in the overtime game seven of nine from three that's crazy 30 shots that's crazy um and I'm gonna tell you now if I, if you give me a squad of myself, yes, I said myself. You give me myself, Elena Deladon, Maya Moore, uh, Skylar Diggins, and Diana Diana Taurasi. You, them five right there. We come into your Sunday church rec league and we wreck and shop, straight up. And I may only score two of them points, but my two points counted. I may get two rebounds, but my two rebounds assisted to that victory when we smashing y'all by thirty. Dana Taurasi will bust your tail. I'm telling you right now. You sitting at, you listening to this right now. You playing Sunday rec league ball. You playing in the park, and you thinking these are some these chicks cannot hoop. These ladies can play ball, but that's the problem. You got to get the male to one not look at it as low level basketball and not look at them as a sex symbol, if you will. Um, that's how you get the WNBA salaries to to rise, and that's how you get more than just women watching the WNBA. Uh, my dude Marcus Rose uh, hit me up. He said he asked me what will be my proposal to pay college athletes. Um, it's simple, and I don't see a lot of people talk about this. Uh, but why no one has proposed the Olympic model of pay, of of getting college athletes to make money and so what i mean by the olympic model is with the olympics um most of the mo- from the lower fringe sports your you know bobsledders your from the winter olympics um your javelin throwers and the summer games most of your fringe sports like that those guys work a nine to five just like we do except they are just world-class athletes and most of you you ain't know it you know what i'm saying we can get rock on the beat you know world-class athlete you ain't know it so 
but for for the Lolo Joneses, for the Usain Bolts, uh, you know, for those big names in track and field, um, and in some of these other you know po- more popular sports, they are sponsored by Nike. They have sponsors with Wheaties. They have all these big sponsors lined up who allow who pay them which allows them to spend all of their time and energy focusing on training. And obviously they have events that they play that they compete in, which obviously brings an additional income for them. But for college, just allow these guys to profit off their name in the off season. Let them sign sponsorship deals. Let them, let them be sponsored by Wheaties. Let them sign a shoe deal with Nike. Let them sh- sh- sign these different contracts where they can make money off their names. So once the season is over, once bowl season is done, or once their regular season is done, if they don't make the bowl game, let them profit off their name by signing autographs, by going to different places and making appearances. They're not playing football anyway. They're not in. They're they're doing some of them in spring break. They're going through the second semester of school. Obviously, they shouldn't have these things going on when they should be in class. But once they're out of of class, let them make their money. And the, the counter argument that most people give is that well if you pay college athletes then all the slime balls will get in and just muck it all up they're already there they're there now and to be honest how often are you hearing about players getting caught up taking money illegally now i may i'm i can hear the the anti-sec crowd going oh oh all the time i know i know i know we'll as you listen to the show, hammering the SEC and A-Ward praising the SEC, well, we will always butt heads there. But those people are always there. So let them make their money during the off season, And then once the season starts up, set a hard date, once fall camps picks back up, no more, no more profiting off your name until the season is over. And then during the season, let them take home $400 a month. Let them take home $400 a month in pay during the season so that they can they can buy groceries and, and do whatever. They can pull their money together and, and let them eat, let them live. It's that simple. And this is only for the revenue sports. I'm sorry, rugby team. I'm sorry, swim team. I'm sorry, fencing team, bowling team. I'm sorry. No one is paying to see you bowl a perfect game. I'm sorry. It is amazing that you can do so. I, I am I am nowhere near qualified to be on your level. But nobody's paying. Until someone plucks down 500 bucks to sit in lane 12 and watch you bowl in 13. No, no, no. You don't get any. You don't. You don't see that money. Only the revenue generating sports, which are for most schools, basketball and football. So that's my proposal to pay to pay. Excuse me, college athletes. And then finally, uh, I'm going to bring it back home to the city, to the town, to Kansas City, at 816. And just you know, briefly wrap it up by talking about the Royals. I'm not buying in. I don't care. I'll let A. Ward, when he's here, he can talk a little bit more about the Royals and about you know what they're doing. Um, to to be on the record, last year when they were you know stinking up the joint before the All Star break, I have uh, as my witnesses, I have coworkers at my job who I told them when they were moaning about the Royals underachieving and being in the Royals again, I said, listen. These guys can turn it around. They can go on a winning streak. They get right back in it. They did that. They battled for the wild card for most of the second half. This season, for me to buy into the Royals, I need to see them make the playoffs. 
you know, teasing me with just being in the wild card chase or being, you know, five and six games back of, of the Tigers is not enough. And I had my guys at work, the same guys who I, I told to, to keep the faith, saying, you know, when they went on that nine-game winning streak, are you buying in? You buying into the Royals? No, I'm not buying into the Royals. Not until they make the playoffs. Then I'm in. I'm in. They got to make that next step. And as a Cubs fan, that would be heaven for me to see them take that next step. Um, so, so that's my take on the Royals. And finally, uh, Chiefs, they open training camp. Um, the the city was in a little bit of an uproar yesterday as it was reported that Jamal Charles was going to hold out. That didn't last very long. He signed a two-year extension, I think, worth $18 million or something like that, or worth $28 million. I forget, I forget the numbers. It happened right as I was getting ready to start preparing for the show. But he got that bread. He got that money. Go get that money, Jamal. I'm not mad at you. Um, but I would like to say to the people who, who say he signed a contract, he signed a contract. He should honor the contract. Um, let's just say that in your chosen profession as a school teacher, a nurse, uh, executive, uh, whatever you do, janitor, you know, wherever you work, banker, wherever, whatever you do, let's just say that you had a average anywhere from three years to say 13 years, 14 years. To make as much money as you can. Um, it's not guaranteed that uh, your job will be there the next year. It's There's no guarantee that your boss may decide that he wants someone younger. Uh, he wants to go younger. He wants to bring in someone that he wants you to train to take your spot. So he's not just bringing somebody in. He's bringing someone in to take your job. Um, and let's just say you you sign you know you sign your contract you sign your deal with your with your regular job, and you smash it in in one particular year. You kill it. You pick up more trash than any other any other dumpster in the truck in the city. You mop more floors than any janitor in your building. You know you you are open more accounts as a banker than anyone in the history of your company. You telling me? That if you do that, and basically you're on a year-to-year contract, nothing is guaranteed. You get fired, you're done. You're not, you're not, you're getting whatever money you had guaranteed for that year, and that is it. You're at the door. You're done. You're telling me that if you outperform your contract, which Jamal did, he outperformed his contract last year. Uh, I saw a stat right before I, we started. Right before I started. He led the league in yards and percentage of yards per, from scrimmage gain, which is 35%. So 35% of the Chiefs' offense from the line of scrimmage originated with Jamal Charles. Tops in the league. I think uh, LaShawn McCoy was second with 30. You're telling me you're going to be like, eh, you know, $2 million, I'm good with that. $3 million, I'm good with that. And you're looking at what your peers are making, Adrian Peterson, who he outperformed last year. He outperformed Adrian Peterson, considered the top running back in the league, is making $11 million, and he's making three? And you're going to tell me you're going to be good with that? No. No, you're not. No, you're not. Not if you've, not if, not, not if you've you know, changed more diapers than anyone in the history of La Petite. You, you're not going to be cool with that, you know? Not if you set up more direct TV dishes than any other contractor in the company. You're not going to be cool with that. You're going to say, hey, you need to give me some more money or I'm not coming to work until you pay me bread. You saw what I did last year. You saw the performance I put up. You need to pay me. 
We do that now. We do that now. Let us get let us get all fours and fives on our performance evaluation. Five being the highest. Five being outstanding. Let us get you know out of ten categories. Let us get seven fives and four fours, and let our bosses come back and say, "Well, you know, we're not in a position to really give a raise. All, all hell is gonna break loose." No, you're not just not going to pay me the same amount of money and not just work my butt off this year. You know it. So these guys have a finite amount of time to get paid. Let them get that money because once it's done, it's done. And if you watch the uh, the if you watch the 30 for 30 series on athletes going broke, you know 70% of these guys end up broke. Yo, let me tell you now. If any Chiefs players get their hands on this, let me let me watch your money. You give me a hundred thousand dollars a year, a hundred k a year. I will make sure you go broke. You will hate me because I'm going to tell you no. You can't have a tiger. I'm going to tell you no, Gilbert Arenas. You can't have a Shark Tank with sharks. No, you can't have that. No, your kid cannot have a mini four wheeler, an actual mini four wheeler. No, he cannot have some supercharged kitty four wheeler. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, maybe once, maybe once you've stacked up enough bread and you retire, maybe we can talk about that. But you give me a hundred thousand dollars a year, a hundred k, hundred stacks, man, a year. I will make sure as long as you're in the league, I will take care of you. And then once you retire, if you still want me to watch your money, to help you save money, I will bring it down to five thousand. So I'm just saying, anybody who listens to this wants to pass it on. Anybody knows Debo, uh, Tom Bahali, Justin Houston, hey. Anybody know Jamal? Tell him I'll watch his money for him. I'll make sure he stays paid. All right? But uh, that's it. That's it for this pilot episode of uh, It's a Black and White Thing. Thank y'all for listening. Uh, once again, hit me up at A1TheLP on Twitter. That's A1THelp, all letters. Facebook.com at A1TheLP. Um, as we get this thing off the ground, because I am literally flying by the seat of my pants with this. As we get this thing going a little bit more. Uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll have an official Facebook page and the uh, episodes will be up on SoundCloud here pretty shortly. So if you want to go to soundcloud.com, once I have the the official link and everything set up, because again, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I literally, literally, like said, you know, Tony Dungy thing popped off. I'm like, I got to record. I got to get this popping. Um, so, um, ride with me, take, get on this journey with me and I appreciate you listening until next time. Talk to y'all later. One.